All right. Today, we're going to be talking about why you might not be closing any sales deals. Now, if you're watching me in this, I am freezing my ass off. So we are, if you're watching the video, I am in a big fluffy, very fluffy coat. Um, and so I do apologize for the fact that I'm not in my normal gear, but it is like minus eight here right now. I think it's going to get even colder. And so you uh, have to deal with it. So in today's episode, like I said, we want to talk about why you're not able to potentially close any sales. Um, or when I say any, you might be closing some deals, but you might not be able to do as much as you want. And if that is you, don't worry, you're not alone. Lots of people struggle with sales. Um, it's not something, if I'm going to be honest with you, that I've it's something I struggled with when I first started, but I've spent a lot of time, a lot of years. I've worked in sales for over a decade now, and I have um, very much spent countless hours studying this, researching it. And so I wanted to um, just kind of ex- give you kind of my kind of seven things that I see when it comes to not being able to close deals. So and and kind of how you know why that might be the issue and then we might talk a little bit as well about how you can fix that so one of the reasons is that you're attracting the wrong type of client who will never buy from you so this was a big realization for me this was a massive one for me when i this kind of hit with me when i was talking to my dad who works in financial services as well so if you know like like i do with many mortgage brokers um he worked in financial services and this hit me we were at a comedy night and I was talking to him about my sales process and how I did it. And I realized that my dad would never buy my product as in he would never have used me as a mortgage advisor because the way his brain works is very different to the way my brain works. And the way that he perceives value is very different to the way I perceive value. And that was a massive, that was about eight years ago. And that was a big shift for me because I was like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm trying to sell to the wrong people. I actually need to go after the right people. I need to go after people who value the same type of values I have, who see the value in the product I give, instead of trying to sell it to the person who doesn't really see it. And that was my dad. And I love my dad very much. And it took, me and my dad are very close. And it took that moment of seeing someone who I looked up to and realized, wait a minute, you're the wrong type of person. And if I try and sell to you, I just would, I'd be broke <laughs> because it just wouldn't work. Okay. So that's, that's the first one. And that's something that might be the reason why you might not be selling what you want. The second one is you don't sell the transformation of what you offer. So many of us talk about these benefits. And I've heard, I remember this being trained at a corporate environment where they were like, sell the benefits, sell the features and the benefits and all that stuff. But the reality is we as humans are emotional beings and the product that you sell across anything, especially mortgages, it's the same thing. Is you're selling a, you're selling a transformation. You're selling a, a result that gets them out of their current situation into their desired in a situation. Now, for mortgages, that might be they want that new home. That is a transformation in their life. And if you don't focus on that, and instead you focus on the rates and the stuff. So the rates, for example, is the money. The transformation is the money they might be saving. Or the transformation, if you're a debt consolidation, is the money that they they would be saving with that. The transformation, if they're a divorce, is the life you can go and live once you've kind of separated and gone both ways and cleaned that out and made that that, that kind of final transition of selling the house and sorting that out. If you think about this as a broker, as a financial advisor, your transformation is the thing that you need to focus on. I know that with me, I do it with mine. If you don't focus on the transformation and you just focus on the product, 
then and the service, then you won't actually do as well as you think because people don't don't care about the product. They care about what it makes, what it does for them at the end. And all the best advisors I've seen really focus on that. They really do- double down on this idea. So that could be another one. The next one is on sales calls, you end up winging it and use or using outdated scripts. So I am a big advocate of everything I do is scripted. Or it's not this like these videos aren't scripted, um, and these the you know these episodes aren't scripted, but they are in some in some format because I have a format for everything. You can see here I'm going through seven bullet points on things I know you know I know would stop people from doing sales. So I'm not winging it now. I bounce around in a format because I spend a lot of time studying this type of stuff. So I know that I trust myself to talk about it, which we, I'm sure you'll do the same for you, but. When it comes to sales, I you should know your process. You should know. Like when I do a discovery call, for anyone who's been on a discovery call with me, you'll know this structure. Um, anyone who hasn't and you're going to in the future, then you'll see this as well, is I have a structure. When I jump on a sales call, it's very, very straightforward. I jump in. I'm very rapport with you. I have a chat with you for about five minutes. Then I want to, for the next, they're an hour long, and for the next 30 minutes, I want to know everything about your business. And I just ask you loads of questions. Don't talk about what I even do or even express what I do. I want to know where your lead sources are, what are your highs, what are your lows, how long you're in the industry, where's your network, what what did you what did you join the industry for? How what have been some of your pain points? What have been some of the good things? What have been some of the bad things? I want to know everything. And then from there, I can identify where my product either one might be a good good fit or two is or isn't. Two, whether or not you can afford me or not, because that's a big thing as well. Because and it's not in a bad way. I don't want to waste your time if you can't afford me. And if you can't afford me, I can then give you some tips to get better so that you can then come back and afford me later. And then third one is I'm able to really see like properly what your what your service is so I can pitch the real benefits and the real transformation you want. And then I do that at the end. And I have a very um I have a very precise script-ish within reason way of pitching my product you should be doing scripts. And it's one of those things which I remember the sales trainer saying to me once, don't practice till you get it right. Practice till you never get it wrong. And it is that. Old school salespeople who are like, and I love when they're like, you don't need a script. They're the people, by the way. You ever see this? And I worked in Connell's. It'd be the same thing. I'd meet so many advisors who'd go, you don't need a script. You don't need a script to sell mortgages. I know what I'm doing. And none of them could break a hundred grand a year. And yet all of the most successful ones who are doing 150, 200, 250 in Connell's all followed a system and a process that they updated and tweaked and refined every single time. So you tell me that, like, which one is better? Do you want to listen to the person who thinks they know it all? Or do you want to do the person who's actually honing the craft? You'll see much better results if you script and build a process. Don't just wing it. The next one is number four is people don't see you as an expert in your niche. This obviously is one of the biggest things I work with people on. I work with people on all of these things, by the way, but this is my favorite one is, if people don't see you as an expert, they're just not going to pay, pay you. <laughs> they're just not going to do it. They just won't. And it's quite alarming. I've seen it happen in people in my niche where people are like, well, you didn't work in the industry, so why would I trust you? It's ridiculous because the persons, the people who are, who are, who are, do this stuff, who haven't worked in the industry are very good, but they might not see them as an expert because they don't know the words and the language. People need to see you as an expert. It's very easy to be seen as an expert. It's about consistent repetition of showing up across platforms, visibility over ability. You know, that's what we teach in the mess in the mastery method is this idea of if you show up all the time, you'll build that. But you need to be seen as an expert. If you're not seen as an expert, then you're gonna have to persuade people. 
and no one's ever going to part with their money if they don't see you as an expert. It's just never going to happen. And so that is a big one. And in the digital world, you might be seen as an expert in the analog, you know, IRL, real life, in real life world. But if you're a broker or you're a financial advisor or you're some form of advisor in any shape or form, and you are, you know, like, like insurance, uh, mortgage, uh, IFA, all of those scenarios, if you've got this big word of mouth, that's great. But online, if no one, you don't exist, you're not an expert in the eyes of many. Because that's what they're going to do. They're going to Google you. They're going to Google you. They're going to check you out on Instagram. They're going to check you out on Facebook. They're going to check you out on LinkedIn, depending on their, their platforms. They might even check you out on YouTube. And if they don't find somebody who's worth talking to and they don't see you as a niche expert, you won't, you won't get the business. So very much needed, very, very much needed. The next one, number five, is talking about the price makes you uncomfortable. Now, I am a sucker for I'm so much better at this now. Um, and I'm, I'm actually like... This has been the demon that I've had to slay. I've, um, of all of these, to be honest with you, I've had to slay. Um, I didn't start off being able to do all these. I do all of them now. But this one, talking about the price, it was one that I remember a good good friend of mine, a client of mine, a guy called David Sharpstone. Some of you will know him. And I love that man very much. Um, and uh, he said to me, he's been, he's been a client of mine pretty much from day one. He was one of my first ever clients. And he always says, said to me, and it's not anymore, but he said, and it always, he always says things that really stick with me. And one of the things he said to me, he said, I always know you get uncomfortable when you talk about money. And I did. And I always have for a while. He's gotten comfortable talking about money. This, no matter how great your pitch is, no matter how great your discovery call is, no matter how much authority you have, if you get uncomfortable when it comes to making the pitch of your price and stating your price, it's like taking a sledge, sledgehammer to your credibility. Because if you're uncomfortable with it, people get this feeling of uncomfortableness and they're like, well, are you trying to rip me off? Well, why you, you don't think it's worth it? Like now I know my price is 100% 10 times lower than what it should be. I know that in my head. And I know and my, 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 from research and from the results we've had from people over a couple of years, we know, I know that. And so now when I, when I quote people prices, I have no issue with it because I'm like, yeah, of course. You don't see the value in that. That's your decision. But I know the value it makes. But it took a long time to get to that point. And if you're like that, if you're worried about saying the fee, you're like, well, it is kind of, and you're skirting around it, and people will people will pick that up. And it's a bad trait. So don't get into that habit. Be confident about your price. Anchor it to something. So like with me, I'm like, it's one case a month. You know, in the way I look at it with my, with my fees, I anchor it to a mortgage case. I know how much that would be. I know that it's less than one mortgage a month of which these advisors who I work with should be doing that anyway. And it's, and they will get a lot more than that over the long period of time if they work with me. So instantly I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Anchor it to something valuable. You're more in your head and to them. So you anchor it. And if you can anchor that, then your price will feel way more comfortable and you don't have to worry about it. Number six is you don't know how to communicate with your clients. Communication is so important. And being able to actually communicate properly with them. Like I have met people who are just rude. One thing I had that was going for me from a very young age, I, I have a very, I'm very, I've got a lot of, it's like EQ, a high EQ, meaning high emotional intelligence, which by the way, at times can be quite annoying uh, because it means that I'm touched with my emotions. I understand emotions, which means I, it's, it's what people would normally call high EQ. If you do your research into this kind of like emotional intelligence and the psychology, it's what people would call, um, traditionally would call charismatic but now we're realizing it's a, it's a level of, of emotional intelligence it means you can read people and understand people a bit better 
it has got me through so many situations. I talk about this as being a mortgage broker. I was a terrible mortgage advisor because I'm dyslexic and now realized, found out I've got ADHD is that, um, I would just, I was really good at the communication and getting the clients. I was terrible at actually doing the mortgages because I just could got bored. <laughs> I'd get bored of the application and all of that stuff. So, um, but the communication with clients was a thing that I never struggled with. And it's definitely something that the more and more I meet people, the more they struggle with is that like, if you can't put the words and, and connect with them and communicate them in the way they want to hear, then you will not get the sales you probably want. And so I would recommend with something like this, if so, if communication is not something that you're massively comfortable with, and my wife was like this, my wife is not someone who's massively, um, sociable and she talks a lot like she's she's a wonderful woman my wife but she's we've been together for uh coming up to eight years and it's this scenario now where she will um she spent a lot of time learning how to be way more charismatic with people and it works and it's made a massive massive impact on on her life and you do that by by the way studying things like um nlp so neuro-linguistic programming um listening and, and observing others so for me i used to i was very much into for a long time and i still do it from time to time now i would observe like podcasters and i would write down what they do and why they do it so like i would and i would break it down okay so the, when they talk they do this thing when they when they speak they use their hands when they you know they they pause they stop they don't say um so something i do often is i don't i don't arm um, i pause a lot which drives my wife mad but using these communication techniques and understanding how you can apply them to your clients and the words they use and, and stuff is great spend some time learning on that you know researching that and there's loads of ways i can help you with that as well but like there's loads of stuff you can do on your own straight away just go and observe good communicators and write down why they did it not how it makes you feel but like why they're doing it and then the last one here is that you're not making moves and it kind of does this one as well it's not making moves to invest in yourself so really my career and my and, and sales got so much easier when i started investing in myself to try and improve my skill set this isn't the pitch by the way <laughs> um but it's one of those scenarios that that's what it was so once i started buying audiobooks, listening to podcasts. Um, and an investment, by the way, doesn't have to be money because when I started doing this, I was very much cash, uh, time rich and cash poor. So I would just, I was, you know, I was driving to an, to an estate agent every day, about an hour away. I would drive there. I would listen to a podcast on the way there. I would listen to podcasts and audiobooks during my, when I was like, doing research and stuff for clients. I would listen to it on my lunch break. I would then listen to them on the way back. And I would just try to implement them during during appointments. You don't have to, I didn't have much money. It was all right, but you know, like I wasn't rich by a long shot. Like a long shot. I was a normal, normal guy, a normal advisor. And so I met made the, the time to invest in myself. And then as I've got as the business got more successful, I then put money into investing in myself as well. So then I work with coaches and consultants and mentors. So they do have a big impact. You will get better the more you surround yourself with people who are better and you listen to that. And that surrounding can be things like these podcasts. It can be things like, like one-to-one um, -one coaching and mentorship it can be group coaching, can be online courses, but investing in yourself is, is valuable. And the people who don't invest in themselves will not see the growth. It just really is that, that, that simple. If you are all of these things that I've gone through, these seven things can all be learned by 
by by looking at and finding the right people to to who can teach you them and the person one thing i would recommend before we end this episode out is that find the people who work for you i might not be that that guy for example i might not be you might listen to me and think not not my type of person and you might find someone like in my space for example gary das dan reddish they might resonate with you instead gary might be better for you ros might be better than you for you um dan might be better for you like these it's knowing who works for you and i think that's the most important thing is finding the one that you can connect with that you understand their their their, their communication and then you have a much better chance of implementation so if you're struggling with sales that's what you can do if you enjoyed the show be sure to subscribe see you in the next one bye